Good morning. Good morning. Hope you guys are doing well this morning. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, two weeks ago, David started us off in 1 Peter chapter 2 to continue our study of a scattered church. And what does it mean to be a scattered church and what lessons that we can learn from that. And so we'll uh, jump there in just a minute. But I have a question for you. Does anybody know or remember what Blockbuster was? Okay, thanks, John. I see you back there. And so we, we, we have this place where we would go get our videos at Blockbuster. And we'd also, today, I have a question for you. You're stuck in quarantine. Does anybody know what Netflix is? Oh, okay. All right. But in 1997, August of 97, this company called Netflix was founded by a guy by the name of Reed Hastings. And after several years, and in three years of building this business, he met with the owner of Blockbuster Video. His name is John Antico. He met with John Antico and he said, hey, you know, really what I'd like to do is, at that time, Netflix was sending the video to your home. You would, you would um, order it and it would, be, it would mail you a DVD to your home and then you would mail it back. That's what happened in 1997. And, and you're like, that sounds like a covered wagon. Uh, <laughs> And so so here, here's what we have right now. We have Reed Hastings, who founded Netflix. We have John Antico, who founded Blockbuster. And there are Blockbuster stores all over the place. And Reed Hastings from Netflix goes to John Antico from, from uh, Blockbuster and says, I'm going to sell you my company for $50 million. And John Antico said, I believe what you're doing is a fad. Have you seen a Blockbuster video store anywhere? So all of a sudden, Netflix has exploded, and even to today, it's worth $125 billion. And so what you would sit there and you would say, and I would say is, wow, that is a terrible decision. That's a really bad decision. What Peter is trying to get you and I to see that even in the worst of times, serving Jesus is so good. And that is a good decision. A bad decision is to not place your faith, not give your life to the work of the Lord. That's what we're here for. And that's what we're designed to do. I mean, really what he's trying to sit there and say is, I know that there's bad things that are going on. I know that there's persecution. I know that there's unrest. I know right now that you feel like you are ostracized and you're being bullied and you're being persecuted. I know all those things are going on. But Peter is coming to them, to these scattered Christians all throughout the world. And he's just saying, I just want you to hold on. And I just want you to remember all that God has done in your life. Because we're really good at forgetting. And in, in, in Peter chapter 2, starting in verses um, where are we, where, 9, 2, 9 through 12, you know, David talked about have, having a craving for the things of God. I think one of the, the great statements that he made was, you cannot crave what you have not tasted. 
you know, have we tasted the things of the Lord? And where's our craving? What are we hungry for? And then last week, of course, Ryan told us, and he said, hey, we as a fellowship, as a body, uh, Travis even said that, what are you grateful for? I'm grateful for the body and all the people that helped me in this very difficult time. I mean, I, I went to the hospital. I saw Travis in the hospital right before surgery. He went in to see what was wrong, and they said, you're not going home. You're having surgery tomorrow. Now, I could see the look on his face. And what is so great is to see the celebration in his face right now of the lessons that God has taught us. And, and what, what Ryan said to us is, as part of, a, a follow, as part of followers of Jesus, what we do is we bring God to you. And we bring you to God. I love that statement last week. And, and now we're going to take a look right now in, in this text because what, what Peter really tries to get us to understand is like, hey guys, I just want you to know who you are. And then I want you to know what you should do understanding who you are. And he really has a succinct way of saying it in verse 9. And so I'm going to read the whole text. And then we're going to pick that apart. Before I read the text, I'll give you the big idea. This is also in your, your worship center app, uh, following along with the message. The big idea is this. Our identity informs our activity. Our identity informs our activity. So if we say, I'm a follower of Jesus, then Peter's going to say, then you're going to do this. Simply, this is not a comprehensive um, list but he does give us some things. Hey, here's who you are. That's in verse 9. And then here's what you should do. And that's in nine through tw the end of 9 through 12. So let's go ahead and read that. Our identity informs our activity. Let's go. Let's, let's read the text here. So we just got through talking about last week and said, but there's a stone of stumbling, a rock of defense. They stumble, they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Then he comes back to talk to Christians and he looks at him and he says this in verse 9. But you, who are you? You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possessions. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into marvelous light. Once you were not a people... But now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So here's a couple of things that I think we want to do to help us understand our big idea. Our identity informs our activity. He answers two questions. Number one, who are you? That's what Peter is going to say right now. So let's go, let's go to verse 9. Who are you? First thing he says is, you are a chosen race. We come back to this idea of election. You're not elected because of your good works. You're not elected because, you know what, you play basketball really well, or you're the best or the smartest. He elected you based on his grace and his grace alone, not on our good deeds, but on his sovereign plan for your life. You are chosen by God. 
Right now they're feeling like he's talked to them. They're exiles. They're sojourners. He's looking at them and going, I just need you to know that you are a chosen race. You are chosen by God. Now listen to the audience that's going on, especially the Gentiles that are very prominent in this area. The word, that phrase chosen race is very familiar to the Israelites, but it's not very familiar to the Gentiles. And here Peter is saying, because Jesus has come to set us all free from sin, Jew and Gentile, he comes in and he assigns this title to all who believe, Jew or Gentile. That's overwhelming, I would, I would imagine, to the, to the Gentiles that are there in the audience that he's writing to. He not only says that, but he says, hey, you're a chosen race, you're a royal priesthood. This was so fun to study this week. Because the term, the term needs to be broken down just a little bit. You are a royal priesthood. Now, if you were in Old Testament times, or if you knew the scriptures as all of these folks did at this time, you would understand that royal is assigned to a king. And a king is separate. A king is different. And a king represents helping us understand who God is. On the other side of the word, there's royal priesthood. The Levites... We're the tribe of priests. They came through Aaron. And what they would do is they would intercede on our behalf because of our sin. And that they would be separate and set apart and different. And so here's what he's saying. He's saying, hey, Jesus is our king and Jesus is the high priest. And because you are a follower of Jesus then you not, only, you not only partner with him in, your, in his suffering, but you also partner with him in his glory. So we have a royal priesthood. It means that you get to partner with King Jesus. If we go back to chapter 1, I'll just flip over there and I'll read you what it says. We have an inheritance. This is what he says. You, uh, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, has caused you to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. So we have this inheritance that is ours because of Jesus. So Jesus is the king, and Jesus is our high priest. And when we come to know him, we get to experience that. And that's why he says you're a royal priesthood. He says you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, and then a holy nation. Again, if the Gentiles are sitting down there, that is a title that is reserved for Israel. And then all of a sudden he comes in and says you are a holy nation. You are to be about the work of the Lord. You are to be about serving, serving King Jesus. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are his workmanship. And so he is declaring boldly, you've been chosen by God. You are a royal priesthood. You get to celebrate in the inheritance that's given to you because of your king is Jesus and your, and your high priest is Jesus as well. He's the one that set you free from your sin. And then he says, a holy nation. And then he comes down and he says, for a people, for his own possession. Now, I had a little, I was like, that's kind of weird a way to say something. And I had to look, dig deep into why it would say that. And so the best way for me to understand it is it's an illustration. And my buddy, A.J. Dressler, 
He bought a truck a couple of weeks ago. Maybe a week ago. Probably ten days. And I, he called me on the phone because he got on a bus and he took a bus to Columbia, South Carolina and he got him a new work truck. Not only did he get him a new work truck, he got him a Colorado. God bless him. Because I've got a Colorado. And as he was talking on the phone to me, I could hear the joy that this possession was doing to his soul. And I recognize that and resemble that because that possession, I have a Colorado, and I like my truck, and it brings me great joy. Here's what Jesus is saying. You, you are my possession, and you bring me great joy. Even on your worst day, you bring me joy. I'm here for the long haul to clean you up. You are mine. Am I on? I just died. Oh, there it is. I thought we lost. I thought we lost. So he's sitting there. And he's saying, "You are a people of my His own possession. You bring we, we bring Jesus pleasure. We bring Him joy. We are His." And he's telling them right now, I know all this stuff is going on. I know you are having a tough day. I know you're being ostracized. I know that you're, but I need you to know who you are. You are chosen. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. And you are a people for my own possession. And the, the issue that we see in this text is he's not just talking about an individual. He is talking about a collective group. Which is what Ryan was talking about last week. That we need each other to live the life that we are called to live. We do this in community. That's what we do. It's a chosen race. It's a royal priesthood. It's a holy nation. It's a people. It's a people, not a person. Yes, it's a group of people that need to understand that that and that alone is who we are. And when we understand who we are, we'll then understand what we do. So let's jump into that next part there. What do we do? What do we do? First thing he says is that this, it's, it's really cool. You can circle this word because it is so, so neat how he read it. So wrote it. So that you may, so look at the end of verse 9. I'll read 9 again. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. And then you say, well, then what do I do with that? I'm glad you asked because he tells us, so that, circle so that. In your, in your journal, in your whatever it is you're, you're looking at. So that what we may do, number one, that we may proclaim the excellencies of his greatness. Because we, we were in darkness and now we are saved into the marvelous light. So what are we supposed to do as we live on this earth and as we still are breathing? We are to proclaim the excellencies of Jesus. I don't know if that's difficult for you. But what would it need? What would it? What would you need to help yourself understand the command that we have to share our faith? The command that we have to share our faith. He says right now, I want you to proclaim, and that is not an option. That's not simply for missionaries, just missionaries or just pastors. It is simply for all of us. A couple of weeks ago. Henry Archer came to the office. Henry works for a pest company. And the Lord just birthed on my heart to give him a Bible. 
And so he's walking to his car, and I came up to him, and I went to give him a Bible. And he's like, I can't believe you're giving me this. He said, I've been really searching for some things. And the cool thing is that now we're texting each other, and he's reading John chapter 3. Let us understand that because who we are, this is what we do. We proclaim. What do we proclaim? Listen. We don't proclaim a political agenda. We proclaim the gospel of Jesus and his supremacy. And that is an honor and a privilege. And let us talk more about him than anything else. So let's do that. Second thing he says is he says, I want you to remember. Remember what I said here earlier that we're often really good at forgetting. Take a look at verse um, verse 10. It says, once you were not a people, you, you used to be this way. You used to be in darkness, but now you're not. Once you, you were a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And so what is he saying? I just want you to live like mercy has been given to you. Mercy is God withholding what we deserve. It's holding back what we deserve. Holding back the wrath of God. Why? Because we are a chosen race. We are royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. And we are a people of his own possession. And those people bring him joy. So what do we do? We proclaim the excellencies of his mercy. And what do we do? We remember. We remember the mercy that has been extended to us. Because there was a time in our life where we did not have it. And now we do have it. And so I don't want you to forget. What in your life needs to change so that you will continually remember who you are? And then he also goes down to the next one. He says, here's what I want you to do. Verse 11, he says, Beloved, see, he has such great love for him. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. The sin that so easily ensnares us is what keeps us from remembering who we are and really doing what God would have us to do. It wages war. It, it chokes out the life and the light that we are to be. And he's telling us right now, hey listen, I want you to abstain from those things. They're real. They, are, they war against you. And what do they do? They take away the light in your life. They take away... The reason that you were here, and I want you to do something, is I want you to abstain from those, those things. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a lot easier said than done. We'll come back to that at the end. And then he says what I want you to do is, um, this is verse uh, 12. Verse 12 says this, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So the word that I have for you is behave. Behave honorably because of the relationship that we have. Listen, listen. We are not saved by our good works. The scripture is very clear of that. But our good works can help someone else Start to think about the things of God. And so what he wants us to do is not to live in such a way where we would cause someone to stumble. Here's a statement I don't want to ever hear in my life. 
I am not a believer because of the way Matt Rice has lived his life. Don't let us not live our lives so that we are the excuse of someone not coming to faith in Jesus. So he's saying, hey, listen, when there is a charge that's being brought against you, let him say, that's absolutely not true. I know him. So let us live in a way so we won't give excuse for someone else not to believe. And I would pray that that would haunt you and I. That would be a holy fear that we would have so that we would not live in, in, in such a way. I think that's what he's wanting us to see. So what are our questions to wrap things up? Worship team, you can go ahead and start making your way um, up on the outside over here. Okay, we're going we're gonna to land the plane with our closing questions. And one of the things that I feel like the Lord has really directed us to, so what are we going to do with the message this morning? We've answered two questions, who are we? We've talked about that. He goes through that together. Hopefully, if you're in life group, you'll talk about that as well. Then he says, here's what you're going to do. You're going to proclaim, you're going to remember, you're going to sustain, and you're going to behave. And, and, and like you, like you, I believe that there are certain things in our life. There's really one thing in our life that is really oftentimes trips us up. I believe that there's maybe a sin that trips us up. So here's the question as we conclude our time. What one area of your life is more controlled by the flesh and not the spirit? Because he says, I want you to abstain from the passions of the flesh. The opposite of the flesh is the... And in Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 16, all the way to the end of chapter 5, my encouragement to you is to read that text this week. That's an action step for you. When we, we put all these things together, I think the number one thing you have to ask yourselves, am I truly a follower of Jesus? And once you answer that question, and you say, then what am I doing to live that out? And then the question I want to give you, the final one is, is what sin that is controlled by the flesh and not by the Spirit am I going to bring to God this week and ask for victory in that area? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to think, whether it's gossip, slander, tone, whether it's inappropriate things looking out on the computer, Whatever it is, that one thing that's really tripping you up to really living out as a soldier for Jesus, what is that one thing? And I'm going to encourage you to do, do a couple things with it this week. Number one, I, I want you to pray that, that well, then God, this issue in my life is really preventing me from being all that you want me to be. And I'm asking through the power of your spirit to not let me give in through the flesh but to be over, overcome by your spirit and have the power to withstand, to say no, to rise up. I encourage you to journal about that. Yes, I said journal. It's really changed my life in the last seven months. And I want to encourage you to sit down and write about this sin and ask God and give it to God. And ask him to give you victory in that area. 
And then another, another challenge I would even ask you is to bring the community in with you to help you have accountability in that area. So I would ask you to call someone this week. Tell them what this sin is. And ask them to pray with you over the phone for great victory in that area. So that you won't forget that you are a chosen race, that we are a royal priesthood, that we are a holy nation, and that we are a people of God's possession so that we may proclaim, we may remember, we may abstain, and we may behave for the glory of God and for the honor of His name. We are not here to brag on us, but to brag on Him. And I pray that we would be able to do that. Oh, wow. Raining acorns right now for those that are on the stream. Um, and so one of the things I, I want to say is that what Peter is doing, if we want to summarize it in one way, Peter is saying, I want you to be a citizen, but I also want you to be a stranger. I want you to be a citizen of heaven because that's who you are. And while you're here, you're going to be a stranger because why? You have to understand you are a citizen of heaven, but you are a stranger here in the world. And I want you to abstain from these things, be led by the Spirit to honor me in all that you say and do. And I'm praying that you and I will be able to do that together and collectively with great power and great boldness this week. I love you guys. Let's pray. Why don't you go ahead and stand, and then I'm going to go ahead and pray for us as the worship team leads us in our final song. The opening illustration, you can just go ahead and bow your heads, close your eyes. The opening illustration, we talked about how much of a bad decision it was to not buy Netflix. But I want to remind you that it's a really, really good decision to say yes to Jesus. It's a really good decision that when he is, when he is convicting your heart to answer it, to rise up above it, and to deal with the sin that so easily ensnares you. It's a great decision to follow Jesus. It's a great decision to repent and come to faith in Him. Serving Jesus is worth it all, and I pray that you would remember that today. So I want to go ahead and pray for us as we sing and close our service together. Jesus, I love you and I thank you for who you are. I pray that you would use today for your glory. There is no one like you. You are supreme. I want to thank you for choosing us. I want to thank you for saving us. I want to thank you that we are your possession. So Lord, I pray that you help us to proclaim, behave, abstain, and remember all that you have done because you deserve it. In Jesus' name, amen.